Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Morning all, and welcome back to our devotionals in Zechariah. Uh, I'm going to just jump straight in with Zechariah 3. We're coming to uh, the end of, of this uh, vision now, this chapter. Uh, as I say, one of my favourite in the Old Testament, uh, and I hope today you'll kind of see why I love it so much. So Zechariah 3 verses 8 to 10 says this. Listen to me, O Joshua, the high priests, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. Now look at the jewel I've set before Joshua, a single stone with seven facets. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. And on that day, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, each of you will invite your neighbour to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine and fig tree. Why do I love this passage so much. Let's just refresh ourselves with what the vision is so far. It's introduced with Joshua the high priest, the one who uh, represents all of God's people, um, standing in the gap between them and God. And he's unqualified. He is not fit for the task. He's covered in sin. He's dressed in filthy clothes. And Satan is saying, this man is a sinner. He cannot serve you. And God hollows out Satan's accusations, as we saw by uh, removing those filthy clothes by him, uh, from him, by dressing him in pure garments, uh, symbolizing the righteousness of Christ. And so God has adorned him in his own righteousness, hollowing out Satan's accusations. But then he commissions him to be a priest. He commissions him to, um, to come before God, to intercede for others. Now, as we've been saying the last few days, this really is a picture for every believer. This is a picture for all of us. We all stand in the place of Joshua the high priest. We all stand in that position of being clothed in filthy garments, having Satan say, you are despicable, and saying, yes, I am. But the Lord has come and taken my dirty garments off, and he's dressed me in clean uh, clothing, and he's commissioned me to be a priest. We saw that in First um, Peter 2 and in Revelation 1, we've been commissioned to be priests to God, to stand in the gap, to intercede. Now we come to a really interesting part because what God says here forces us to go back and understand things in a new light. So listen to me, O Joshua the high priest and all you other priests, you are symbols of things to come. In other words, what I've just said, this act that we've just done is symbolic of what is going to come because I'm going to bring my servant the branch. Now, we'll see this more when we get into Zechariah 5, but um, the branch is this messianic picture that originally began in the book of Isaiah. The branch is uh, the one whom the Lord is going to send who will grow up, who will be the messianic king, who will be king uh, David over his people. And then it as we move through it, it then says uh, the Lord gives him this jewel and there's different opinions on what it is. I'm not really going to get into it, um, but it seems to be uh, representative of uh, the kingly authority on some commentators would say the priestly authority. So in some sense, this jewel represents uh, an, an office. Um, but then it says 
and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. Now, earlier on in the week, on Tuesday, I think I said, every page of the Old Testament whispers Jesus, but this page shouts it. Why do I say that about this? It's not only because of that uh, incredible uh, promise that we will get into in a minute about, I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. But this is one of those areas where the fact that we have our Bible in English is sometimes not entirely helpful. If you're a Hebrew reader and you read this passage, you're reading about this person that God has commissioned called Yeshua. If you're a Greek reader, you're reading about this person called Iesus. Yeshua translates into Greek as Iesus and then into English as Jesus. It goes from Hebrew straight into English as Joshua. But If you're around at the time of Jesus and you go back and you read this prophecy, you're thinking, oh, my goodness. It's not just saying what he's going to come and do. It's not just saying that he's going to clothe us in righteousness and and remove our sin and remove the sins of this land in a single day. But it even mentions his name. And it's not saying that everywhere in this passage that we see Joshua, he's standing in the place of Jesus, because it's it's not right to say, oh, Jesus was dressed in filthy rags before the Lord. Um, and then the Lord dressed him in his righteousness, and then he was able to do it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you have a prophecy here which so clearly relates to the work of Christ, removing our sins, dressing us with righteousness, being the priest to the people, um, the branch. When you see all these things and the main character in the vision is called Jesus, I just find that an incredible way that God has Uh, spoken his plan 500 years beforehand to his people and so when you see when Jesus comes on the scene when the one who people are thinking is the Messiah is Jesus it's not really a surprise that they go back to prophecies like this that they go back to Zechariah 3 and go oh hang on a second Jesus is here in this prophecy Jesus the high priest think about if you've ever read through the book of Hebrews The big thing about Christ is he is the high priest who can intercede for us. He's the one who can do it. And here we see the story of Jesus, the high priest. And more than that, we see this promise, as I say, I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. Why is that so significant in this this messianic, um, in this hope of the Messiah, in this messianic expectation? Well, because... In Israel, sins weren't removed in a single day. Sins were removed uh, through the process of sacrificial um, animals and other other sacrifices, grain offerings and, and, and the like, on a yearly basis. Again, the book of Hebrews makes this point that uh, clearly the law, the Mosaic law, was never trying to tell you that your sins could actually be forgiven by a sacrifice because you had to do it over and over and over again. There's no ongoing forgiveness there. But now the Lord is saying, but he is going to act. He is going to do it all, not in a festival, not in a ceremony, not in something that is going to be repeated year after year after year. But he'll remove the sins of this land in a single day, a single day. What an incredible promise that's given to God's people and a promise that we now live in the light of, that we now know the fullness of, that we have seen that day 2000 years ago when the sins of the land were removed, when Joshua, the high priest, Jesus, the high priest, hung on the cross, when he took 
our sinful garments, our dirty garments, often laid them on himself. This is a symbol of the of things to come, Joshua is told, and we have seen what came, Jesus himself. But then Zechariah continues, what happens as a result of this Messiah coming, of this branch coming and removing our sins? And I don't want us to... Um, to put that to a side necessarily, because it's an incredible reality that our sins have been forgiven by the branch, by the high priest, by Jesus. That's an incredible reality. But what Zechariah then does in verse 10 is talk about what happens as a result of that. It's not as though God says, right, that's it, sins are forgiven, great, that's that's it. I mean, that would be good enough. That would be good if we, can, if we simply had a, a relationship restored with God. But it's more than that. And this is something that in the last few hundred years, churches haven't been so good at emphasizing. It's very good that we emphasize that we are restored to right relationship with God. But that's not where the story ends. In verse 10, it says, and on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine and fig tree. Now, there's two things I want us to draw out here that, to see what I'm talking about. Bear in mind, the Messiah is referred to here as the branch. And there's some wordplay going on in the original language where the branch is this shoot. And then in the very next passage, we see whole grapevines and fig trees. In other words, the image is when the branch comes, when he removes the land, the sins of the land in a single day, the branch will branch out and create shade. Think about what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that though tiny grows to be the tallest tree and the birds come and find shade in it. And so you see that the result of the Messiah coming, he not only brings restoration of us to God, but us to our fellow man. You will invite your neighbour to sit with you peacefully under your own grapevine and fig tree. Jesus's work of reconciliation, of restoration, the Messiah coming, comes to bring harmony on the earth, comes to restore societies. Now, we can look back to the, uh, the sins of the land on a single day and we can say that happened. That's a thing that happened 2000 years ago. But this growth of grapevines and fig trees, this growth of the kingdom, this is still ongoing. We're not at that point yet. We're not at the point where humanity is, is uh, restored to each other. I mean, it only takes a, a you know, browse of the news to see that. But we are promised that this is what Jesus is doing as a result of his death and resurrection, as a result of our uh, the forgiveness of sins. It's not just the brokenness in us which is being stored, but the, it restored but the brokenness in all creation that's being restored. When the branch comes, he branches out and brings peace. What a beacon of hope in such a broken world. What a thing to look forward to. It may not, it almost certainly won't happen in our lifetime, but to know that this world is being restored back to God, to know that the branch is continuing to branch out as he has been for the last 2000 years, to know that he intends to bring peace, that's the result of Jesus's death and resurrection. And so the challenge for us, I think, for those of us who have put our faith in Christ, and if you haven't, I urge you to, but the challenge for us is how can we begin to taste that future reality now? How can we now live in light of the peace that God is going to bring uh, on a kind of a horizontal level between our fellow man? How do we live in such a way that shows harmony in the people of God, that shows uh, a solidarity in the body of Christ? How can we bear with one another in love? 
it's something that comes up often in the New Testament. And this is the reason why, because God has restored us back to him and back to each other. So let's live in the light of that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing promise. We thank you that you speak the precious name of Jesus here hundreds of years before he would ever be incarnated. Lord, we thank you that Jesus speaks to us on every page of your word. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have indeed been the branch. You have indeed been branching out. You have indeed removed the sins of this land in a single day, including ours. Lord, and we just pray that we would uh, continually be putting our faith, trust and dependence in you. And as the spirit works to transform this world, to bring us back into a relationship, not only with God, but with one another, Lord, we just pray that you would encourage us and empower us to uh, begin to have a foretaste of that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.